Well, the first thing I hope you uh, caught as the story begins, as the dialogue begins, that Nicodemus comes to Jesus under the cover of darkness, comes at night. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He is a teacher. He is a religious leader. And we tend to think uh, when we read the Bible, and we've, I guess we've been raised to think this way in the church, that all Pharisees are bad. Anytime you see the word or hear the word Pharisee, probably in your mind, I would say for most of you, maybe all of you, in your mind, that conjures up immediately negative images. That was not the case for all Pharisees. Nicodemus comes to Jesus as a seeker. He wants to know what's going on. He wants to hear more about what Jesus is teaching. But, perhaps because of fear, of pressure, peer pressure from his other brothers who are Pharisees, he does that in secret under the cover of darkness. And in John's gospel, one of the strong themes that's used to convey what Jesus is teaching, what God is doing in this world, is the metaphor of of, and the contrast between light and darkness. So while Nicodemus, in these first two verses, is described as coming under the cover of darkness... When we get to the 19th verse, we read, and this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. So, while Nicodemus does a good thing, if you will, a positive thing, in seeking out Jesus, that seeking is diminished because Nicodemus chooses to do that, not in the light for all to see, for all to witness, for his life to be a witness, that he's a seeker, someone who is interested, convicted to uh, find Jesus, to seek Jesus out, uh, but he does that under the cover of, of darkness. In the dialogue then that takes place, uh, there's a focus on the idea of uh, what is called in Greek, uh, anothen. And anothen is like uh, several of the Greek, many Greek words uh, in the New Testament. There are multiple layers of meaning. And so there's this idea of being born again, but also born from above. And it's not one or the other, it's both and. It's not either or. Nicodemus gets hung up on the being born again part. How's that possible? But in this word that's, that's tricky to translate, so in most of your translations, you will have one or the other 
idea given. It's either born, the born again or born for above. And if you've got a study Bible, if you'll look down there in those little footnote things that are at the bottom, it'll also, it usually will have the additional meaning. But what that does for most of us is, is uh, indicate, well, the words that are actually on the page, the words that are in red, words that are actually on the page, those are the important words. And so that little footnote, that's, that might be interesting, but, but it doesn't have equal force and effect. But in the gospel, those two ideas, born and born from above, are one and the same. It's a both and. They're both important. And it's hard to capture that meaning. It's just like uh, in our English language, uh, how we use the word love. Well, I can say, I love football. I love hamburgers. And I love my wife. Not necessarily in that order. But you see that we, uh, and the difficulty for international students, people who are studying English as a second language, the difficulty is trying to figure out those nuances. When when do I use love? How do I understand when love, how love, that word love, is being used? So in the text... Uh, that we have in the scripture that we have this uh, word that has more significance this Greek word anothen that really has two meanings double meaning so here's what Nicodemus does Nicodemus probably like most of us would if we were told you have to be born again born from above well, most of us would say, well, what do you mean born again? I've been born. How can you be born again? It refers to time and place. Something physical that happens. How can that, you know, how's that possible? But when you understand the meaning that Jesus is trying to speak, what he says, says to Nicodemus, what he says to us, yes, there is a time and place. There's something physical that happens. If you're seeking, there's a moment of birth. There's a moment where you're transformed through your confession of faith, through your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a time that's a place that happens a new birth but the word also speaks the Greek word also speaks to the source of that it's not just something that time and place it's something that happens from above so as much as we may be seeking And as much as we may be led to the point of decision, the initiative, the opportunity to come into a relationship with God through Christ is something that happens from above. 
So it speaks to Jesus, who Jesus is, and Jesus' authority. And so the challenge, if you will, the word to Nicodemus really is a word for all of us. Yes, you have to experience that birth. That's what God offers us. And because it comes from God, it comes from above. It's not at our initiative. There's nothing we can do to make it happen. God has already made it happen. So, Nicodemus never really quite quite gets that. Uh, Never quite understands it. There's no moment, there's no moment like uh, Peter had, for instance, uh, where others in Scripture have, where there's the recognition, yes, you're the Son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the one that God sent. Nicodemus listens, listens in silence, doesn't respond. And I suspect that he goes away confused, still. Maybe a little more deeper understanding. Maybe there's certainly something there that continues to hold his interest in who Jesus is. But there's no immediate response. And I've seen that happen uh, countless times in the course of my ministry. It happened in my life where I had a conversation with my uh, best friend and college roommate at that time. Uh, It revolved around uh, what our eternity was going to be. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. Uh, We were back in the dorm uh, late one night, one or two in the morning. I hollered out, My friend's name is Artie. I hollered out, Artie, I'm going to hell. Like that was a great accomplishment. Something to be proud of. And given what we had participated in earlier in the evening, that was a reasonable assumption. The next response that I got from my friend was uh, uh, nothing. Silence. Hear a word. And then when Artie spoke, he said, I'm not going. I said, what do you mean you're not going? You were with me. We were doing the same stuff. What do you mean you're not going? He said, you know, I might have done the same stuff you were doing, the same stuff all of us were doing. But, and this is probably a moment of conviction for him, that's not really who I am or who I believe God wants me to be. He said, I made a confession of faith uh, when I was about 13 years old, and I believe I'm going, going to heaven. I may not have lived the kind of life to this point that God wants me to live, but I believe in God's grace and God's forgiveness Anyway, I'm not going with you. I'm headed in a different direction. Now, for me, I didn't uh, in that moment uh, hop out of bed, get down on my knees, 
and say, God, forgive me, a sinner. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. I believe that. But it started me on a road to decision. I didn't understand fully, even though I'd been in church all my life, every Sunday, up until the time I I got to college, really. But it started me on the road. And a little over a year later, some of us stay on the road longer than others, but about a year or so later, I made the same confession that Artie had made when he was 13 years old. I was 19 years old at that time. And for me, yes, I felt like that was a new birth, a rebirth. And I know, without question, that was from above. That was God's grace. Even God's grace speaking through uh, my friend, Artie, on that, that night over a year earlier. Though Nicodemus may have walked away and probably did walk away wondering still. And then in the 11th verse after the dialogue is over, the discourse, Jesus' words uh, begin. And that's where we get those, those well-known verses that maybe you had to memorize or have memorized since, but maybe you memorized them in Sunday school when you were 10 years old. For God so loved the world that he gave his own... I still say it in King James. That's how I learned it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, will not perish, but have eternal life. Whosoever will. Whosoever believes will not perish, but have eternal life. And then in John 17, John 3, 16, Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer, uh, said that John 3, 16, that's the gospel in miniature. If you don't understand anything else, just read, read that verse. That'll put you on the road. Then John 3, 17, Jesus, uh, God gives us the indication of why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to condemn, didn't come to condemn, but came to save. But some people choose darkness, Jesus goes on to say. Why is it that everybody doesn't come to the light? In Jesus' words and encountering Jesus, we come to a point of decision. We have to choose. It's by God's grace that we're given that opportunity and that choice. But we have to choose. Whether we're going to continue to walk in darkness, whether we might be interested but we come under the cover of darkness like Nicodemus did, or whether we want to walk in the light. Whether we want to be born New birth, a new birth that comes from above, a new birth that God offers us and asks us to receive. 
presence of Jesus confronts us with a decision to believe or not to believe. And making that decision is the moment of judgment. It's not God's judgment upon us. It's the judgment that we make, that we bring upon ourselves, if you will, by deciding to continue to walk in darkness. Jesus invites us to the light, to walk in the light. Well, you might be wondering, what the heck happened to Nicodemus? And we read in chapter 7, verse 50 through 52, Uh, Something of that gives us a glimpse. Nicodemus is in the council and they're talking about Jesus and what to do with this this fellow who's raised so many questions and challenged so many people. Nicodemus, the Pharisee, sitting in council, speaks about fairness. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus before and who was one of them, one of the Pharisees, asked, Our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? They replied, not in response, not answering the question directly. The reply was, surely you're not also from Galilee. You're not one of them, are you? You're not like that. Search and you will see that no prophet is to arise from Galilee. We get a glimpse of uh, Nicodemus still on the road. Then finally, in John 19, verse 38 through 42, I think we find out where, uh, where Nicodemus ended up. This is after Jesus has been crucified. After these things, crucifixion, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, Pharisees, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus. Nicodemus who at first had come to Jesus by night, also came in the daylight, not in the darkness, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, preparation for burial, weighing about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it in spices, cloth, according to the burial custom of his people. And they laid Jesus to rest. The man who had walked in, who had come to Jesus in the cover of darkness, I think, found birth, new birth, birth from above. And in his journey, however long that journey may have been, and it was a while, Nicodemus came to the light. That's what this story, uh, for seekers, for all of us, invites us to do.
Come to Christ. Come to the point of decision. Maybe it's a decision you've already made, but maybe it's something you need to recommit to. Maybe you need to ask yourself what direction you've been walking in, and not only what direction, but have you been walking in the light? Or have you stumbled around in the darkness? Jesus' encounter with Jesus brings us to that kind of point of decision. I invite you to make that decision this morning. You may have already made it. You may need to recommit to it. You may need to just say, thank God for how you've changed my life, for what you've done in my life for all these years. Thank God for what you've done. Lord, continue to lead me in light so that I can reflect that light in a world, in a country, in a community that definitely, desperately needs to see light. Let's pray. God, we thank you for seekers like Nicodemus and great teaching that comes from above, great salvation and great grace that is ours through Christ Jesus, great forgiveness that is ours. Lord, we thank you for All these things, in the name of our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.